I am Ev Barrett, um, and I'm so excited about getting to teach uh, y'all this, this uh, some this semester. This is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to. Um, I'm a. I love to write on this board. I don't know why it just gives me something to do when I'm talking. You know, um, I, I, I'm kind of a teacher with my heart. I, I'm talking about this teacher, this study, this book, Romans, and this passage. We're going to have a little bit of time now. Today's a little different because um, you're not going to have as much time in small group because we've got to cover all this stuff. And I want to give you a good foundation for jumping off into this study. So, um, so let me start first by, by telling a little bit about my family because there's some people that may not know my background. Um, I grew up in Jackson and um, met my husband at Ole Miss, Johnny Barrett, and we were married and we've been married 42 years in May. We're very, he's my absolute best friend, and um, I'm just very, very blessed, very blessed to have him in my life. And we have two boys. Our 36-year-old son, John, lives in Nashville. He's a musician, and he's engaged. We don't know exactly when the date is, but I'm the mother of the groom, and I've been told by Kim Ferris I have two things that I can say. You look beautiful, and that's a great idea. So I'm always telling Mariel, which is not hard to do, she was a model. Imagine, <laughs> I'm going to be in wedding pictures with a model, you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, I've got to, i got a lot to do in the, the next how many months. Anyway, I love it. John is a, um, has had a band for 16 years. The name of the band is Bass Drum of Death. My mom, my sweet mom, bless her heart, years ago, John. Why couldn't it be bass drum of life? <laughs> so uh, it's not. It's not heavy metal. It's it's good old rock and roll kind of grunge garage band. Two two guitars. My other son plays in the band, and a drummer, and they rock it out. They are going to be here double decker. So I will be there. I will be there. I will be there, air guitaring and, and doing all, all, I just get into it. So, if, if you, if you want to experience bass drum of death, come, come have it out. It's free. It's at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You don't have to stay up at, you know, go at midnight like we've done for all these years. I would take a nap between 8 and 10 so I could um, get up at 10 and go to the midnight show. Anyway, um, Enough of that. Uh, my, uh, my younger son, Jim, lives in, in Brooklyn. He um, does music on the side. It doesn't pay all his bills, so he leases apartments in Brooklyn. So we get to go see him up there um, regularly. So I'm blessed to have my two boys. Um, our family really, Johnny and I felt, um, it, we moved around a good bit around Mississippi. Nothing real exciting. It, you know, Macon, Hattiesburg, Columbus. We were in Columbus, and he had an opportunity to move to, to work for a bank here in Oxford, and that was his dream, to move, work here. I was a little iffy. I didn't know about raising boys in a college town, and um, <laughs> as it turns out, <laughs> it wasn't so good. But, um, but I wasn't sure about that, and I, we heard that there was a group starting a Bible study that was planting a church, and we really felt called to come be a part of that. And here we are 28 years later, and this is what God has done. And I'm, I have just been amazed at how God has worked in the midst of all of our, our you know, leadership 
problems and inconsistencies and just so many hard, difficult things, but God has been so good, and he is um, continuing to be good. My passion, I'm passionate about a lot of things. I love um, friends. I love my family. I love music. I love um, gardening. I love books. I love spreadsheets. <laughs> I was a CPA for some of my life off and on, but I, I love I love a good spreadsheet, but I, what I really love, I really love is teaching God's Word and sharing God's Word and what He's taught me with you. I really am not, I really should change this. I'm not a teacher as much as a learner. I love to learn and I love to share what, I, what God's teaching me with other women and maybe it might help, you know. Um, I'm one of those, I, I, I love to listen to podcasts about Romans. Okay, y'all don't have to do that because I'm doing, I'm sifting it all down, and we'll talk about it. I'll be teaching about four of these sessions. There'll be other teachers, Anna and Liza, so um, you won't have to listen to me every time. But when I have the opportunity, I will be um, teaching. That's when I, I worked for the university for 16 years, doing a lot of different things. And last spring, it kind of hit me. I was not doing what I really, I really am passionate about. Um, so I love Ole Miss football, but I'm not. This is what I, what I want to be doing. So I retired in June, and now here we are. Enough about that. Um, while we study the Bible, let me just make sure everybody knows, because there may, I, I want to welcome any of you who are from other churches. This is uh, it's a, a Bible study that's taking place at Christ Prayers, but this is the Bible that all, anyone who um, believes in the name of Jesus adheres to and loves. And if you're a seeker, has have questions, this is where you need to be. This is where you're going to get the, the answers to life's questions. We are so glad you're here. And I want you to know that we do believe this is God's word. This is actually God spoke through the men that, that wrote this, these books of the Bible. And we're going to be looking at one particular one. It is living and active and it is different from studying a regular textbook. You're studying God's word and you're interacting with it. And so what um, I've told you today is going to be different. We're not going to have as much time because y'all just got in your books. Normally we have, um, let me look, let me show you first. Look at your book on page two. Uh, you'll see the schedule. Two notes. Um, we, we'll meet every week um, and you'll prepare every week. And you'll see on March 13th there's a spring break. So even if you're not on spring break, we're taking a spring break, so don't come. Um, um, also look, on April 20th, we have a spring event, and it's a spiritual gifts workshop. My sister is going to be teaching that with Tammy Haynes, uh, Gray Sandberg's mom. They do this workshop uh, for different people. It's really good, and they're doing it because we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts um, in week eight. That's, that's another one. Um, chapter 12 will be talking about spiritual gifts. So that workshop, put it in your calendar now so that you'll save that morning. It'll be 10 to 2. It'll be just such a great practical way to, to really get in and, and figure out and, and assess what your gifts are. You may be surprised. And you may be able to help others discern their gifts. So just wanted to put that bug in your ear. Another opportunity I wanted to mention to you is... Um, we are having a discipleship weekend coming up, February 16th and 17th. It's just a Friday night and then Saturday morning workshops. I'll be announcing this again on Sunday, but we need you to register. We'd love if you work with kids or if you have kids or grandkids or nieces and nephews, um, if you uh, like to disciple adults, 
and teach adults and, and even 101, this is gonna be the uh, place for you to come get some training. Our, from our denomination headquarters, we're having three different people come teach these different tracks. Ask me about it if you, um, if you wanna know how to register. You register online, but if that's a problem, Anna or Meg can get you, get you signed up. We'd love for you to come take advantage of this great training opportunity. The other thing is there are lists of the women to women groups out on the, on the that, that uh, Amanda mentioned. There's so many and you really need a paper copy to look at and just kind of study and see where you wanna uh, plug in. So um, please, please do that. Our intent is for this to be Bible study. We, we have some fellowship time in the small groups, but it's really Bible study. The other, the, we can get that community and that fellowship in, in other places, and that's one of the main places. All right, um, what we, we are very intentional and have been ever since we started this Bible study 25 years ago, that we want our women to be exposed to God's word over and over again. So we have a time for personal study, um, a time for the large group study, the time in his word, and then small group, SG, small group. So you're exposed to God's word each week as you study personally through and answer the questions. Then you come here and you've already got in your mind, you, you know, God's been working in your heart. You've already wrestled with it. And this is a great way to learn because then you come in and, and um, whoever's leading will kind of share some insights, maybe make some connections that, that would help you in, in your growth. And then you go to the small group and you discuss it again. So you're, you're really getting three three doses of, of that scripture for that week. But what I, I really want us to really think about is to bathe it and cover it in prayer. Since this isn't, this is not, you know, a regular study. This is a study where God, we are building our relationship with God and God is talking to us in his word. So we need to be praying and asking for his guidance, asking for his Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and giving us, um, given a, and, and admitting that um, I'm frustrated, admitting that I can't focus right now, God, in the middle of your Bible study, pray, God, I can't get my menus off my mind, please help me to focus, you know, this is, prayer can be very helpful before, during, and after your Bible study time, okay, I'm praying right now, <laughs> that I'm not going to just totally mess this up, um, if you look on page Three, this is going to be what we're going to, our, we're, we're going to try to study in a few minutes. Um, there is notes, there are notes, page for notes on page four. Then if you have discussion time, that's going to be on page five. So page six, that's going to be what you're going to read. Um, these are the questions you're going to read and prepare. We've got the passage written in here. This is so you can mark it up and you can write, you can circle things that, and, and underline and highlight, use colors and have fun with it and write notes in the margins. And, and if you see a word you don't know, grab your, grab your phone and look it up, you know, or just Siri, what does this mean? You know, so use this to your advantage. Please try to answer the questions. We've tried to, we've tried to make the questions where they serve to help you um, comprehend, understand what it says and then in, interpret what it says and then uh, some application to ha how it applies to us. So we're, we've tried to design it so it would really get you in grappling with God's word before you come here next Wednesday. And so then you'll be ready to come here next Wednesday and then you'll have your small group and you'll have discussion time there. So that's how we work. Um, 
One thing I've thought about that you might want to do, I, I like to keep lists. I'm that, I'm that kind of person. And I also forget stuff. So that's why I write stuff down. If you want to, if, if you're like me, we're going to be learning a lot about God and a lot about ourselves. So if you want to take this back page and just put what I'm learning, what I learned about God and a column for that and about myself. And each week as you're learning things, jot down. And that way when you get to the end, because I can tell you, I'm teaching the last lesson and I wrote the questions. One of the small group, the questions are going to be, what did you learn? So this will be your cheat sheet. So you'll be able to, um, you'll be able to uh, tell everybody what you've learned. All right. Now that's enough about the, the study and me. Let's get into this book. This book of Romans is very important. In fact, um, all the books of the Bible are, are extremely important. I'm not to say that, but some books give us more, um, a fuller picture of how God has worked, and Romans is one of those. It, it is, it's like the, a Christian manifesto. It's, it's, it's um, such a fantastic book. Tim Keller says that the letter to the Romans is a book that repeatedly changes the world by changing people, and it has literally changed the world. Um, it's had monumental impact on, on um, many prominent theologians and Christian thinkers over the centuries, like St. Augustine in 4th century, John Calvin in the 16th century, and John Stott in the 20th century. And, so, and millions of people have been affected by their teaching and understanding, that, and they were affected by Romans. One man was influenced the most, and he, he, was, he started the Reformation. Who, who was that? Martin Luther. Luther was a Catholic monk, and he was trying as hard as he could to do everything to please God and be accepted to God, and he was—he couldn't do enough. And it was—he finally—he got angry at God. He just could not ever pray enough, or learn enough, or memorize enough, or do enough for his fellow monks. I mean, he was beating himself up, but he could not please God. And the light came on one day, and it was Romans 1 verse 17 that—that that changed his life and absolutely changed the world because of that. Uh, it's the verse that says in the gospel. The righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Now that seems kind of, kind of abstract to us, but for him, it was the key that unlocked in him what grace was all about. That God's righteousness, God's holiness, the only way we can have access to that is for that holiness to be given to us. And it is as a free gift by the faith we have in Jesus Christ. And so once he got that faith was, that it was faith, it was not his works or how, what he did to earn favor with God. God gift, gives us the gift of faith, and that's how we have access to him. And it changed the world. Um, it caused the Reformation, which, which um, I won't get into here. But it's because of 117, Romans 117, and the fact that had a Martin Luther, that we're sitting in a Protestant church right now. So that's, we're kind of the results of that. So um, God has worked through Romans um, in so many ways, in so many people. Let, let me give you uh, the biblical context for Romans. Um, so if you think about the Bible, it's all about Jesus. It's really one story, one whole story. It's a love letter from God. To us, from beginning to end, it's all about Jesus. Now, there's certain books in the Bible that talk directly about His birth, death, and resurrection. What books are those? Gospels. 
Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All right, so the Old Testament, all the books in the Old Testament are looking forward to Jesus coming, and there's so much in the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament. We could do a whole series on that, everything that looks forward to, to Jesus. The, the uh, Passover, the blood on the, on the door, so the angel of death passed over. That's Jesus' blood that, that, that washes away our sins so that God, the angel of death, passes over our lives. The, everything in the temple, the bread, the showbread, he's the bread of life. The water in the basin, he's the, he's, uh, you'll never be thirsty. He's the water. And the candles, he's the light of the world. Everything... Um, the prophets and priests and king of the Old Testament were all pictures of Jesus as our prophet, priest, and king. So the Old Testament, just let it be known that it is pointing to Jesus. The New Testament books are looking back and, and um, clarifying what Jesus did for us. Because we have the letters, we have Acts as a history book, and then and Revelation is kind of a prophecy. But all of the... the the apostles and those that knew Jesus the best wrote these letters to get to guide the early church, and they're still guiding us today, 2,000 years later. So um, Romans is a letter that's part of the New Testament, and we're going to see throughout this whole 10 weeks how much Paul is going is to refer back to the Old Testament time and time and time again because it's all about the same thing. It's all about Jesus, and that's what the Old Testament was pointing to. All right, so this is actually a letter. It's not a book, but we call it a book. But it's a letter that Paul wrote to believers who lived in Rome. And it was, I think it was about 57 AD, which is in that first century. And he was probably in, in the Greek city of Corinth. Now, um, who was Paul? This is where you talk. Yes, exactly right. He was a Pharisee and persecuted Christians. He did not. He was zealous for God. He loved God. And he felt like he, in his mind, they were blaspheming his God. He didn't, he didn't understand. And he was persecuting believers until he had this experience in the Damascus Road where Jesus actually spoke to him and called him to spread the gospel. And so... He um, was considered a sent one, an apostle, because Jesus actually talked to him. Um, he was one of the first missionaries after that experience and after some years of, of, um, of being by himself. I think he spent a couple of years in the desert and, and, and learning. He went around and planted churches all over Turkey and Greece, but he had never gone to Rome. So that was a kind of interesting thing that I don't know that I ever knew, that he had never... He never he didn't know the Romans, but he, he's writing this letter, and you're going to see how, how much he cares about these people that he has never met. So um, that's a little bit about Paul. We don't know about, much about the Roman believers. We don't know who planted the church. Um, we do know at Pentecost there were people from all over the, the, the world, and there could have been... Um, men and women that were there at Pentecost when, um, when the Holy Spirit came down and 3,000 became believers. There may have been some Romans there at the time that went back to Rome and started this church. But whatever the case is, um, what can we deduce? Um, Rome at this time was the political, economic, cultural center of that part of the world, most, you know, that part of the world. 
With that in mind, what kind of people do you think might be part of that church body? Yes, Jews and Gentiles, and that's huge. That's going to be a theme that we're going to see throughout. We're going to see different social status. We're going to see rich and poor, um, different ethnic, ethnic groups like Jews and Gentiles and maybe other ethnic, ethnic groups. And we know, we're going to know this. Again, I'm giving you a, a kind of a taste of chapter 16. Um, come back for chapter 16 because it's going to be fun. He lists about 25 people, and they, they can tell from the names that some of them were slaves and some of them were women and some of them were wealthy women who had a lot of influence. So it was a multicultural church. And, and so um, that is cool to me. I mean, I, I love thinking about this unique body of believers in the first century, and Paul is writing this letter to them, okay? The major theme of this book is the gospel, what God has done for us through his son. That's just, it is a concise, we're going to see it tonight in the passage we read tonight, and it's going to be all throughout the gospel, and then the second thing is, how should I live then in light of the, the gospel? All right, so, so if we look at the, the, the way, the outline that, that, um, for the whole book, the first part is the introduction. That's what we're doing tonight. And then the next part is going to be bad news. Because there is some bad news that we have to understand in order to get the good news. So chapters 3 through 11, there's going to be great news. And this good news is going to um, be um, that we, the gospel gives us God's holiness through Christ as a gift. He gives us the Holy Spirit who changes us. And he fulfills God's promises to Israel. So, so Paul has a unique um, position. Having been a Pharisee, he knows the Old Testament backwards and forwards. And he knows how Jewish people think. And so he's going to be able to, you know, think about it. Jewish Christians are in this weird space of they've, they've lived this way for thousands of years. And now all of a sudden, their belief, the, the Messiah has come. And they're kind of like, well, what about the sacrifice? You know, what, what about the sacrifices? What about, you know, do we go to temple? What do we eat? What about things that we're not supposed to eat? So they're struggling with all these things. Paul gets that, and he's going to identify and help them see, you, this is a whole new thing, my Jewish brothers and sisters. Jesus has, those things were pointing to him. He has come, and now we can live together in unity with those who've been outside of the um, of the the Jewish group, so um, anyway, I get excited about it because um, it's it's really cool. You're going to see it. it's going to be nice. All right. So the last four chapters, I'm calling gospel outcomes, and so based on this, this is the gospel that we're going to see, and then how should I live? as an individual, and as a community of believers. So in chapters 12 through 16, which we'll get to in weeks 8, 9, and 10, we're going to get to really practical, really good, really good stuff. It's all based on, it's not, we're not 
going to learn how to become a Christian, how to do the things to be, sec you know, to get God to be happy with me. It's going to be um, obeying Him out of our faith in Jesus Christ because we love Him because He loves us. So it's going to be really good. That's the structure. That's kind of the overview. Now the passage. All right, we're looking at Romans one, one through seventeen. So turn to that in your, in your book or your Bible, please. And this is going to be a whirlwind. I'm sorry. Um, I just felt I felt like I wanted to establish some of the background um, before we just jump into it. Um, I would I would encourage you to, to maybe spend some time reading through this after we talk about it and. Um, and, and don't, it, it, there's so much in this. Martin Lloyd-Jones um, studied Roman, did a Bible study of Romans every, night, every Friday night for 11 years. So that's how deep we can get into Romans. And, and I'm going to try to do 17 verses in 10 minutes. So we'll see how that goes. But um, uh, we're, gonna, we're, we're doing the flyover. We're, we're doing the, the short version, but I think we can learn a lot just by walking through these verses together. All right, so um, I relied on Michael Kruger. He is the president of the Charlotte uh, RT um, Reformed Seminary and great speaker, teacher. He taught a group of women in 2014, I believe, and filmed it, and it's available on the Gospel Coalition. He did 40. He did it in 40 lessons, not 376 that Martin Lloyd-Jones did. But we're doing it in 10. But he, I've got a lot of this from his outlines that he made available for everybody. Um, so our first thing that we want to look at is Paul's identity. And we see that in the very first verse. Um, Paul says, Paul, and, and it was traditional for letters in this day and time for the, um, we always say, dear so-and-so, and we put our name at the end. Well, they would say who's writing it first before they said who it was being written to. So he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. All right, so how's he described? He's described in three ways. Ding, 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 ding. I wish I had some candy to throw to you. Um, servant of Christ, and that word is really slave. It's really even more than what we think of as maybe a, a household servant that you pay to do work. This is a slave that is owned by a master. He sees himself as a, as a slave of Christ. That's the first thing out of his mouth when he's introducing himself. He is subservient to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But he's also called to be an apostle. We know that. Um, he was, because of his Damascus Road experience, Jesus spoke to him and sent him out. Apostle means sent one. Um, and then he's set apart for the gospel of God. That's his purpose of being set apart was to spread the gospel. So you see his humility here in his, the way he named, he's a slave first instead of like, well, I'm an apostle, you know, so I kind of, I kind of know a lot. And so you know, y'all are lucky that I'm writing you this letter. No, he's like, I am a servant of Christ, and I was called and sent out by this by my Savior to spread the gospel. So we see his humili humility. He's introducing himself, but he's really talking all about God is what we're going to see. Um, so 
you know, he, something that came to my mind is he was a, in his earlier life, he was a Pharisee. He loved the Lord. He was zealous, but he persecuted Christians. And now his, his whole identity is tied up in who Jesus is. Um, how did that happen? How did he change that dramatically from killing Christians to planting Christian churches? He was blinded, and, and Jesus came to him, and, and Jesus spoke to him, and he believed that Jesus was who he said he was, and that's what, and the Holy Spirit changed him, and he was able to do this. Um, so he's not hanging on to anything from his past. He could have had a lot of guilt and shame. Think of the people he may have even watched. We know he watched some people be killed. He may have killed people, and yet he was able to be a servant of Christ and move forward with his life joyfully serving his Savior and not letting that guilt drag him down. That kind of stood, stood out to me when I was reading from this. Um, nothing from his past is preventing him from moving forward. He even says in Philippians, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. That's a great example for us. So what it says that he was set apart for what? The gospel of God, which is a, a real um, interesting way of describing the gospel. Uh, um, the gospel of God. Um, gospel, of course, means good news. We know that. It, but let's think about that. It's not, it's, it's, it's not um, good advice. Like, maybe you should think about this Jesus guy. It's, it's not um, a suggestion. It's news. Now, news today, I don't really trust. <laughs> so I would prefer to think of it as good, an, a good announcement of, of facts, of things, something that really happened. It was, it was, it's the best news. It's the best announcement we could receive. It's, it's this happened. It's not, we think this happened. No, it's good news that happened. Now, let's read. Uh, the next, um, the next um, verse, set apart for the gospel of God, verse 2, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures. So this good news, okay, I'm getting the five-minute signal. This good news was um, promised beforehand. That's what we've already talked about. All the Old Testament, the promises from the Old Testament, that's what... Um, that's what they mean by promise beforehand. And then we see in the next verse, um, let's, let's read this. Concerning his son, verse thir- 3, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So we see from those verses, um, how is Jesus described? Descended from David, so he was a man, okay? He was a physical, actual human being man. And then he was the son of God. He was exalted. So we see his humiliation in, in, in coming to earth as a baby and living a life as a man, but then his exaltation when he rose from the dead and he's, he's ruling and reigning with God forever. So we see this, this son, the gospel is about this Jesus who is the God-man. And then how does it affect us? The next verse, 
verse 5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the, about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So from this Jesus, who's the God-man, we receive grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. We, we have the grace to be able to obey, Jesus, but obey him. He gives us what we need to obey him, the grace to do that, and he makes us apostles that are sent out to spread this good news too. So there's a lot packed into there. All right. Um, just to summarize all that, we see Paul's identity is wrapped up in Christ. And his purpose in life was to share the gospel to anyone and everyone. Um, and what the gospel is, it's a good and true announcement of facts that Jesus is God and man. And through him, we receive grace to obey God. And through him, we are sent ones to share this gospel around the world. And so that's the first seven verses. Um, the thing for you to think about is um, what is your purpose in life? You know, what is your ultimate purpose in life? And, you know, these are some things that you might want to think about this way. What should it be? What should your purpose in life be? And then do your actions and use of time, use of money, how you spend your energy, are those reflecting that purpose? So just a little thing to think about um, this week when you have all this when, you're, when you have all this time and you just want to think about something. Um, let, me, let me read verse 7 because this is critical. This is, um, applies to us. To all those in Rome who were loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying that these, he describes these Roman believers who he doesn't know as beloved and they are called and they are saints. Um, and he's also saying that all believers who, um, who love the Lord Jesus Christ have that same identity. Um, we are loved um, all through Scripture. Um, there's some great passages in, in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. Um, he tells the Israelites, I don't love you because you're the best, country, the best group of people out there. I love you because I love you. I, I just, I've chosen you to love you. I've set my love on you. He's, the, he's done that same thing with us. He loves us. And he, um, he has called us to himself. We're going to get into that. That's a big, a big um, area that we'll talk about later, in the, more in the good news part later on. But just to be clear, Scripture is very clear that, G, that God calls people to himself. We are dead in our sins. We are unable to respond, but God calls us and makes us alive through his son. Um, and then um, we're saints. We're holy ones, set apart. And what he's calling them saints, and we can call each other saints because we are in, pro we are in process. We're going to be saints and holy, living with God forever. And so he's already um, foreshadowing that and saying, you're already on the road to that. You're, you're heading that way. Um, all right, so a couple of questions. Just make sure, I just want to you think about, do you really know how much God loves you and how he has called you to be his own and how you are on this trajectory? There are ups and downs, but by his grace and by his spirit, you are heading toward um, eternity with him. And then what is your identity grounded in? Um, is it your looks, your smarts, your... your um, your accomplishments, your husband, 
your kids. I can honestly say that um, this is your, where your identity is is huge, and it can shift over years. Um, I, I, my identity was in my accomplishments early on, but then I had children, and then I poured all my identity into that. I was that was just my two boys. I just I homeschooled them. I want them to have a Christian worldview. I want them to love reading and love music. They love music, um, but <laughs> that worked. <laughs> Uh, when I realized early 2000s that they didn't have hearts for, for God, it devastated me to the point that I lost 20 pounds in four weeks and couldn't eat and was in a deep depression. The good news is God took that identity away from me on purpose to show me, Ab, you don't, your identity is in me. It's not in what you do or, or how you parent. Your kids are in my hands. I've got them. I love them. And I can trust him after all these, I mean, this has been going on for years. And I'm not, I mean, I still struggle with it. I'll, I'll have times where I feel like an absolute failure, absolute failure. Um, but I'm not. I'm God's child. I'm his daughter. He loves me. And he is working out his plan for me. And I don't know what that looks like for my boys, but I know he's got He's got them in his hands. So I just, um, I want you to, I want to encourage you to know your identity. Really think about and pray about, where am I putting my, my identity? Um, the last two things, I know it's too late. Uh, or maybe it's, well, we're going to skip the, the, um, in verses 8 through 15, he longs to go to Rome, and, and we see Paul's example here. I'm not going to read it, but he talks about how thankful he is for them and how he's praying for these people that he's never met before and how he wants to get together with them so they can mutually encourage each other. He wants to get encouragement from them. This is Paul, the apostle, wants encouragement from them. And it's an example for us in our, when we're with, in our, with our community of believers to really not keep it at a social level level let's you, you you need certain people in your life not every en encounter but certain people in your life where you can um, mutually encourage each other and pray for and with each other and verbalize your thanks to them so that would be the example there and then the last crucial verses verses 16 and 17 um, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. He wants to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. That's verse 15. And he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Paul was eager to preach the gospel because he was not ashamed of it, even though um, the gospel can be offensive to people. He, he was not ashamed of it because it was the power of God. It is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes. Um, it, through the gospel, God's, God is at work. The God of the universe is working, and it's his power that, um, that works in us. And it's, it's power because God's righteousness is given to us by our faith. I had to cut that short. I am so sorry, but I think the kids are about to come in here. I, I, I really want y'all to, um, to get into this study. There's a lot of the things that are outlined here, 
we're going to get deeper in as we go throughout these weeks, but it really is up to you. It, it, it is really true. The more you put into something, the more you get out of it. And so do work through these questions and ask questions. There's nothing wrong with asking questions. And the leaders and your small group leaders may not be able to answer them, but that's okay. We've got Les and Brian, and we've got other smart people that can, that can answer your questions. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for being patient with me. Let me close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just um, am so thankful for your word and how it has powerfully affected my life and how um, it has changed the world. And we thank you for your son. We thank you that you've brought us together here tonight. And I pray that we would go forth as women who who know our identity in you and who know that our purpose is to um, glorify you and enjoy you forever. Um, thank you so much for this time together. In Christ's name, amen.